Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Hi, your rock star host, David Strausser, and it's time for another jaw-dropping episode of Shark Bite Biz, your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. And man, are we going to have fun today. A very fun episode, a great topic that I think most people like to talk about. And it's going to feature a guest about somebody who has made pleasure his business. A business owner that believes in laying the foundation to work hard while being able to maximize your playtime. This is where work-life balance comes into play. Being able to make sales while you're sleeping is probably every business owner's dream. Just think about that. You're sleeping and you have little dollar signs just rolling through your head. How do you do that? How do you manage that? And that's what the focus point of today's episode is. In my personal opinion, I think that it comes down to a couple things but I really like to sum it up with two words. One, delegate. Two, trust. You need to be able to delegate the right amount of work to the right people, and you got to trust the people you are delegating to. Our guest today has mastered both of those topics. So who is today's guest? Tyler Sully Sullivan. Tyler Sullivan is the founder of Bomb Tech Golf, an e-commerce store with over 15 million sold online since 2012. Tyler also runs Ecom Growers, where he and his team have helped countless Shopify owners add six to seven figures in additional sales to their e-commerce stores by optimizing email systems and ad campaigns to find hidden revenue streams. Over the years, Tyler has come to learn the formula for running successful and profitable e-commerce businesses. He believes that even with online companies, there is huge value in having real conversations with customers and potential buyers. Tyler is hyper-focused. Tyler is hyper-focused on the customer experience and operating a lean business that doesn't just drive revenue, but drives serious profit and cash flow. So without further delay, let's bring Sully on in here. Small Biz Spotlight. Sully, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. So glad to have you here today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. So obviously, I got a beautiful cheat sheet that tells me everything about you, and it's really, really impressive. But for all of our listeners out there, our viewers on YouTube, do us a favor. Tell us who you are, where you've been, and what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. So I'm a accidental entrepreneur. I started my own golf brand in 2012. Uh, I just mm-hmm. had my seventh anniversary of being fired from my J, uh, day job. 
this week. <laughs> um, and really, I just had a passion for golf. I was attempting to compete in the uh, home run derby of golf. They called it World Long Drive. I was what I call the right. world's worst long driver. My claim to fame is I hit a drive 360 yards in competition, which I thought was good, but wasn't very good. It, it got me qualified, but everyone was out driving by 50 yards. But during that, it was it was fun. And during that process, I started breaking golf clubs, and I just started assembling my own, just like epoxy them together. And oh, hold on a it, second, what do you mean? What do you mean by breaking golf clubs? Yeah, it wasn't by my pure power, which I wish it was. But I had a <laughs> local club builder assembling them for me, mm-hmm. and he had a faulty process for assembling them, and I would uh. break them. And then, you know, I just said, all right, I'm going to make, because I was spending tons of money on these clubs. I had like 40 drivers in my bag. So I just started assembling them out of necessity, really. Um, and I made the world's worst website trying to sell like one of my creations. And I finally <laughs> sold one on a boat when I wasn't in front of my computer or in, in an office. And that blew my mind. That was like the epiphany moment where I said, I just need to do more of that. So from there, I just kind of like not to ramble on too deep, but I just, document my story on Facebook early days and scale it up. And now I, I work six to eight hours in that business. I have only mm-hmm. two employees and we do, you know, between 10 depends on the year five and 8 million a year. And uh, now I own another company um, that's scaling up where we help other e-commerce brands profit with their email called Ecom Growers. So two companies now, Never expected to do any of that, and uh, just a regular guy. So, living the dream. <laughs> Thankful for the internet, you know. Oh yeah, I mean that—that's a pretty great story. And I think I feel for most of us that would say, like, "Hey, I'm an entrepreneur, and uh, or I own a company. I'm a sales guy, whatever." If you're on a boat and you're selling golf clubs or whatever your product is, I think that's the dream, man. That is living the dream right there. Uh, it sounds like it sparked something in you, though, that really you know, changed the way that, that you think. I mean, it sounds like that's a defining moment in your life. Yeah. I've had multiple life events that have changed my perspective and given me these epiphanies. And it's not like if I went back in time and told myself, do this and that I probably wouldn't listen. It's just the, these right. certain life events. And like, it, it was like the first sale on my boat. Then the next one was getting fired from my day job when I, it was just a side hustle when my wife was pregnant. So that's like number two and we could dive into that. But then when I had my first kid, second kid, you know, I, I adapted the business to based on new things in my life. So I went from working 20 hours a day, seven days a week for years. And then I said, I can't do this anymore. And my second kid came and I took six weeks off. And what do you think happened to sales? Yeah, went they, right into the tank. No, they went up. Oh, they went up because you took they, six weeks off. Yeah. <laughs> Because because that I went delegated. right over my head there for a second. Sorry. <laughs> I was setting you up. I was setting you up. No, but... uh. So there's all these life events in my life that I could never have. It just things that happened to me that changed how I look at business, look at life. And I enjoy working, but it's like these life events have defined where I'm at, you know, and that's with anyone in business and life. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's great. So let's jump right into the beef of it. I mean, how do you grow an e-com brand? A lot of companies are dealing with that right now because of this yep. pandemic. They... We're doing brick and mortar retail. They were selling through partners and it's like, oh crap, everything's all closed. We have to shift to do things digitally. And some of them, 
They were lucky. They were able to pick it up quick. A lot of people that listen to this show, I think they're they're struggling. Like, hey, how do I grow that e-com brand? Tell us, you know, you're the I mean, expert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if you were a brick and mortar, just traditional, you should have already been selling online pre-pandemic. I mean, that's just kind of like, it's 2020 before COVID, you should be relevant online. So it's like, it's kind of like too little too late. We have seen mm-hmm. some companies definitely adapt well and, <clears throat> and pivot and become like online first. But it's such a mind shift that I think traditional businesses, and I've had these conversations for years, and it's been my my rhetoric with BombTech. It's like, we only sell online. We go no retail, no pros. So I've been kind of waiting for this moment, cherishing it. I'm mm-hmm. like, and we've been selling out left and right. And some of our clients on the agency side, they're doing volume they could never, never imagine. Millions and millions, tens of millions in a month because they're set up for this and they were ready for people right. to shift. So it's like, if you're shifting now, it, it's not too late because people are still, this is a moment in time that will change a, pa- a buying pattern forever. People now right. are going to pivot or move because it's just easier to buy online versus like go into stores, which I've been saying forever, but now it's pushing everyone that way. So really like what I look at in terms of like, if you're traditional brick and mortar retail, your asset was your location, right? Like that's your right. business. I look at my business as my asset is my email list, like my email customer list. If Facebook ads die tomorrow, Google ads die tomorrow, that is my business. That is my entire business. So what I do, and this is what everyone should do, is treat your list as if they're real people and have authentic conversations with them. And that will Mm -hmm. make your business bulletproof moving into any economy, uh, any shift in advertising. And if you if you did that with a brick and mortar and had a customer list that you were actually having real conversation, I'm not saying blast out newsletters with 50 calls to action saying bye, bye, bye. I'm saying ask, ask some real questions like, how are you doing the pandemic? Like, what do you think of this product? Um, how can I help? Just like real questions you want answers to and having conversations. Yeah. That's going to make that asset living, breathing. So that when you scale, it's going to get bigger. But if things change, that will be forever yours that you can communicate and drive revenue if Mm -hmm. Facebook ads stop tomorrow. So that's like an overall concept of how I think of any business is emails, your asset and your list and have two way conversations on Facebook, on email, on messenger and just, and just change it from pushing, pushing, pushing to asking and receiving, you know, that's like, that's the big shift. Yeah. So I want to get, jump in just, to I like when I have an expert on here because I think a lot of people listen to these interviews and they're thinking like, okay, yeah, I guess what that guy says is kind of true. So I like to validate a lot of the things that I know from my personal experience right now of what you're saying is actually true. One, the conversion to online, stuff like that. You know, for everybody listening that might be nervous or, you know, I'm telling you, I do ERP with Vision 33 for my day job and we're selling half a million million dollar projects online right now with customers just doing straight up video chat. Most companies before the pandemic, they wanted face and face to get the warm and fuzzies before they cut you a check for a million dollars. And that's understandable. But now, you know, the the selling process has totally adopted to the digital age as well, too. So anybody, I think, out there, no matter what industry you're in, if you're thinking that you can't sell digitally because of your industry, you can. 
it might be a hybrid model because, you know, we had a hemp guy on uh, a couple episodes ago that was like, well, they like to inspect the factories. Yeah. So, but everything else you're doing digitally, you know, so it might be a hybrid model, but you're totally able to do that stuff online. But it really, you know, you have to you have to get with it. I'd like to be ahead of the curve instead of, you know, behind the curve. I don't like playing catch up. So I I think we're in a good position for that. Totally. I mean, I would even argue or debate like the the hemp factory. I don't know anything about that business inspection could be done on zoom. Like, do you really need to be there? So like, yeah, a lot of how I set my business up, like I, I have an office that I use personally, just because I got kids at home virtually learning. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not like I have two companies with about 10 employees, only have two in the e-commerce business. But we're, we're almost all, we all, we went remote two years ago because that's how I wanted to operate my life and business where I didn't have to have an office. I didn't have to do that. So we, I think it's more of like traditional old school and just accepting that those were the good days in your capacity of like, I can physically do this. So you can inspect this or you can mm-hmm. come into my store you got to pivot. You know what I mean? So like yeah. if, if, if you're in that position, again, I'm not coming from that angle, but e-commerce, like we work with about 30 clients on my agency side, the amount of people shopping online now mm-hmm. is so, is so insane and massive. It, it's such a massive opportunity and most people are going to miss it. And that's, it's a, I, I said it earlier, it's too little too late, but it, I think it's just, like I said, I'm big on high level mindset. It's like, if you're still physical store, why don't you have those email addresses and have those conversations regardless? Right. You know what I mean, so that's like, I don't know, you know, that's a. I remember uh, when I used to go buy things at a place like Sears, and before I could make any purchase, they want to know my zip code and my email address. Like yep. ten years ago, that used that's to good. frustrate me so much. They were ahead of the curve with that stuff. Yep. Now the other thing that I wanted to validate with you was the personalization of the marketing. Okay. Sure. Um, I, I'll get. I have a friend. She was ramping up a new practice, had uh, hired a lot of sales marketing people, and they're doing they really good. They she surprised me when she was consulting with me with how to do things better, how advanced they had it. But really, what caught my eye was when I sent out an email to her. I got the most cold, frigid response ever. I'm like either. I really upset her or, you know, like this is not her. And, yeah. you know, I first I responded like, come on, this ain't you. Who is this? Uh, <laughs> uh, but then I, I, I texted her and I'm like, yeah, it, it, this is how they're responding to people, especially people that are in your existing network. Right yeah. there's the disconnect, man. Like that, that is huge. And it sounds yeah. like you're on the same page. Yeah, I mean, for for me, what I, I look at, like with the email, like, so our, our big concept or system is we ask people to reply, right? So mm-hmm. we invite customers, potential customers to give feedback. Like if we have a new product launch and we'll, we'll literally ask like, hey, what do you want to name it? And we'll get 5,000 replies and I'll have my in-house customer service guys mm-hmm. literally reply to every comment. So right. all that's doing is we're having real engaging conversations so that when we do launch a new product, these guys are excited and they feel like they built it, which they did. They named it. They helped pick, pick the launch date. You know, they're a part of the process, right? So like it, it's a big fail if you are building a list, 
you know, selling online and then you don't spend the money, time and effort to onboard employees that know your brand and care. So like those guys I pay in-house way more than a normal customer service guy because I want the experience to be, literally I tell them, do the unexpected, wow the customer at any cost. So we'll, we'll yes. lose money on like a club gets missing, we'll send them a club and something else for free. And I'll, I'll lose that for their customer experience because I have a long-term hundred year view, but it's really like if you're using email, using text, really using social, the reply is really the value. And like, let me give you a better example. Hundred year view? Or are you planning to turn into a cyborg or something? I'm trying, man. <laughs> I, mean, I probably won't make it to 50, but, uh, but at least like that's how I try to operate in terms of right. like, decision making. So I'm not trying yeah. to do it short sighted. And that's but... good. That's good. You know, I have a saying that and throughout all my life, when I was, you know, in my 20s, early 30s, I think the managers, executives, owners that I reported to, they're always like, you got your head in the clouds, man. Think about the now. And that drove me so nuts because it's like, yeah. no, 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 man. You need one eye on the future, one eye on the present, okay? Why? Because I need to know where I need to be in 5, 10, or 100 years yeah. because the decisions that I make today is either going to guide me down that path or it's right. going to dive, you know, guide me off a cliff and I'll never get to that 100-year glow, Right. Yeah, it just it allows me to make better decisions, you know, because instead of short sighted, like, you know, just it's an easy thing for me to say, okay, will this help me in 100 years? or Will this hurt me in 100 years? You know, will I make it? Um, but like, for example, I made a post in 2014 to date myself on uh, Facebook early days with video. And I posted yeah. this, this uh, video of me hitting a golf ball through a net. And it sounds like a gun goes off. I hit it really hard. And I go, does your driver sound like this? And I boosted it for like 300 bucks. And I got 10,000 comments, 300,000 views. So wow. what I did back then is I literally commented until my thumbs were bleeding. Because I was I was replying so fast. To every, wow. To every single person. It was yeah. with the, and, and that's kind of how it started. Because I was like, oh, my God. I, I have the opportunity to have conversations with people. And... That's been like when I had that moment, I took that same philosophy and really just executed that in email where it's like we engage, but it also drives revenue. So that's been the magic for us is like social media is super effective. We get so many comments a day. I'll be candid. We don't uh, engage and comment every single one like we used to, mm -hmm. but we do that in email because email. So like you don't said, respond it, to the trolls. We used to, uh, we used to go so hard and deep on comments, but we realized that the return on effort in that scenario wasn't there. But in email, right. they're at least interested or they're a customer. So I, I invested the time and money to, to take that same approach that got us there into our channel that we know drives 50% of our revenue. So like right, we took right, that right. same, I just call it two-way, you know, a two-way conversation Mm -hmm. into email and that's been the game changer for us it's like have that 100 year view have real conversations but do it in a channel that has a high roi you know versus like wow. social's great and we do have groups that we're really engaged in that you know we've got an owners only group which is another hacker tactic um for engagement but it's 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 just different so email and doing it in that way is is a huge win
Okay, okay. So let's take a little pivot here, since we we're talking about pivots during uh, the pandemic and everything. Let's pivot to ads, okay? Hot topic. Um, I think people working online, they're getting a lot more screen time than what they traditionally would. They're working at home, they're working on computers, Zoom meetings, all that stuff. How do you make ads profitable when I my thing, I know they work. I'm not going to say that they don't work, but I think yeah. people are starting to tune them out a little bit because they're so bombarded with them. What say so, okay. you? I mean, so like I, my expertise is not being an expert, but finding experts. Like that's, okay. that's what I do. So my, my setup is I have a paid ad expert. He does all my Facebook mm -hmm. and Google. I've got an email expert, which is the agency I own. I've got a fulfillment expert in Wisconsin that ships my clubs. I've got my in-house customer service guys. And I, I'm just the coordinator, right? But so like my ad guy, I give him a certain KPI of a return on ad spend we need to hit. And we scale up or go beyond if we need to. But if I'll say two things. Ads are profitable and are still crushing it if you've got a good offer and relevant messaging and good targeting right and if people mm -hmm. if people care um and i think i'll tell you like most ads i see i zone out but when they are effective and they you know they're, they're targeted to the right person for example i play guitar i love I, sure. I don't know seven guitars right there nice. and i am constantly bombarded with guitar ads and the way that Guitar Center, uh, which I'm not a fan of Guitar Center, but they put out some ads for some of these guitars and it does grab my attention. So I'll, I'll admit that. And it does, you it is be, effective. You may be too deep in the weeds, you know, to yeah. and, and realize that they're ads, but they're so effective. I mean, it, the amount of volume people are, are spending online, it's like, yes, the, the amount of screen time is an opportunity right now. Because there's just okay. so many people online, so many more people shopping online. My biggest mistake this year was not ordering enough inventory. Um, and we're seeing wow. it for, for clients too. And it's, if you have a story that's legit and you take and have a good product and you take care of customers, you'll be successful at like a high level. Like if you, it's that simple. I, I think most people miss if your product's not good, you've got no story and you don't care about your customers. It's like, Right. I know that's like high level, but if you do those three things, you can make advertising work. I don't care if it's Facebook. I don't care if it's Google. But if you don't have those three core things, you're, you're going to blame the ads. It's not the ads. It's it's your offer. It's your story. You know, it's your messaging. It's all those other things. So it's, and again, I haven't started uh, an e-com brand since 2012. So it's like, I'm old school. You know, I, I did it pre-ads to build up momentum and then ads just amplified what I was already doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a, an amazing story. So again, on the, the pandemic, pandemic topic, you have, I guess we'll call them two businesses, two business lines. Yep. How have both of them been impacted due to the pandemic and what pivots have you had to make? I guess we'll take one at a time and, just give us high level of what you did with the the golfing with uh, bomb tuck golf, and give us with um, you know the 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 ad business as well too. 
Yes, I'm very fortunate. Number one, pandemic's terrible. It's impacted many people I know. It's shifted everything. And as a parent, it's been super difficult for making decisions oh, in yeah. life. Like, it's just everything we have to think about it. It's so frustrating. Um, Has the stress uh, of the situation with the pandemic, kids being at home from school, stuff yeah. like that. Do you think that has impacted any of your decisions as a business owner that it's like, ah, I was just too stressed out. I make the wrong decision. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say no. I, my wife has done a tremendous job handling them, handling the school, getting me away out of the house. So we've got separate time. You know, so they can focus and do schoolwork. I can do what I need to do. So it's, mm-hmm. we have that set up well. My biggest mistake was when COVID first happened, I, I went conservative on on inventory for the year, thinking, oh, most well. people did. And, and that was a mistake because this entire year we kept selling out. So it's like it was actually a banner year and would have been bigger if I was a little less conservative and I'm trying to separate myself from the emotional side of the, my golf business, which is inventory. So I hired an inventory consultant. He brings me a report and says, Hey, based on trends, this is what we need. And I listened to him versus me. I'd be like, well, I don't know how much I should order. Cause I don't have too much tied up in cash. So that was my move to, okay, I screwed up. I didn't order enough cause I wanted to be safe. So now I've got someone smarter than me. That's like my whole, theme if you can see i, I bring people right. on smarter than me and then the agency we've been scaling faster than, than it, it's insane because we're in the business of helping econ brands profit more with email mm-hmm. um, we're clavio top 25 in the world agency in terms of revenue we manage right. uh, we've got 30, 30 clients and we just hired three new employees for that so we've been scaling and we're actually saying no to clients right now until you know december january because we're so busy so I'm very lucky and super fortunate that we're positioned all online, all e-commerce. So COVID's been the best thing that's ever happened to us in terms of yeah. business growth. I've been working a lot on e-com growers, the email agency side of building teams and finding really, really key A players. And that's been my biggest learning is like with e-commerce, I've got two in-house guys and a lot of outsourced experts that are very like they do ads, they do email, they do fulfillment, very siloed. Whereas with an agency, it's a people business. We're going to grow to our goals next year to have 60 employees and then 180 and then 250. So we're mm. going to grow. But I really had to take a step back and understand how do we make these employees in a, an environment they're going to be successful, happy, and thrive and grow. So that's been my, I've been doing so much effort in recruiting, hiring, uh, benefits, 401ks, and just understanding how to run a people business because that's a whole different ball of wax. But it's been really exciting right. because that's scaling so fast. And it's, uh, you know, it's a business I started with my first employee from BombTech, which is the coolest yeah. part. He he was my first employee, grew BombTech with me, ran all my email. And then we had an opportunity because people kept messaging me like, hey, can you help me? And I was like, no. <laughs> um <laughs> And then he's like, can I help these e-commerce brands? I said, you're, you're capable. Go do it. He went out, had three clients triple their revenue from email. And I said, let's do more of that. We partnered up. And that's been three and a half years now. It's just crazy. So it's super exciting yeah. to have two, two thriving businesses. And I'm very fortunate with the timing of everything. Uh, but really, end of the day, like I try to run 
or set up companies that work for me. And my ideal life is to do podcast interviews, which I enjoy, and yep. to to golf and ski like that. To be candid, like are you good people live life you, and you know right? Are you enjoying this interview? I'm enjoying it. Yeah, this, this is what I love. I love I mean, just having these conversations. Yeah, like the people yeah. that I meet, especially when a podcast posts, and then they like talk to me on LinkedIn, and like if they got anything out of it, like that. I feel like. That's been probably my most, um, what would be the word, uh, impactful or, or, or like fulfilling type of work I'm doing at this point. Because it's like right. the, the other work, it's like I've been doing it for a long time. I know what to expect. But this has, I think, bigger impact. So I hope it does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we do got to start getting wrapped up. I got sure. two final questions for you, and then we'll find out how people can reach you. First cool. one is, I've heard a couple times you mention about how – you bring in experts, all that stuff. So how do you delegate the work, you know, delegate so that way you can work on what matters? Probably the hardest thing to do, especially early years. I, I think yeah. you need to learn it and become an expert to a certain point so you can know who to hire and fire. Because that was right. my one of my biggest mistakes. I brought in a true expert, had fired him because I didn't know enough. But what I do and what I recommend anyone else to do is to pay for a one-hour screen share with an expert. So let, let's say you're looking for an ad expert. You're, you're kind of on mm -hmm. the fence if ads are effective now. What I did to find my last ad guy who's been with me for two years is I invited any expert that thought they could beat me in ads for a one-hour paid screen share. I'd pay them whatever their hourly rate was. We'd do a Zoom just like this or whatever it was at the time two years ago. And my goal was, number one, I'd learn something if they're smarter than mm -hmm. me. Number two, if they beat me, they're hired. So it took me uh, 11 guys, 11 screen shares, a couple grand when it was all said and done to find someone that could beat me. So really, like, that's why I invite anything you're looking to hire, just say, hey, well, let's do an hour screen share. I'll pay you for your time. And if we, I actually learn something and you improve it, you're hired. It's that simple. So that's been my one process that out of all, all this in terms of vetting, it's like, just say, hey, I'll pay you. Let's do an hour versus signing a big agreement. Yeah, let's pay you a retainer. Like, show me you're worth it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's great advice. And that's uh, a really interesting way to to look at it for that stuff. So, yeah, I think a lot of people grab onto that uh, little nugget of info there. So yeah. I guess the last question I want to wrap up with, which actually goes back to the beginning of the interview with your boat story, is living the dream. How do you work four hours a week but make seven figures? Well, I'm, I'm definitely working more now. But this summer, I literally fished every day with my kids. We had a pontoon boat. Wow. We bought. It was the dream. And, and really, it's the delegating piece is the hardest part. And I, like I said previous, you really need to put in the work and the time and become the experts in those areas and get the business to a, you know, uh, a profitable, significant point to bring in experts. Typically, I, I throw that number out about a million dollars and then just get out of your own way. So, like, I, yeah. I have a rule now where if I open up the computer, I'm not allowed to edit the website or touch anything because <laughs> I usually break stuff at this point. So, yeah. That's honestly been the hardest and most frustrating part at my level is like I only work four to six hours a week on, on my golf business because if I do more, it's not big lever stuff. So I try to think of the 
<clears throat> the once a year, once a quarter, big lever idea or big concept that's going to actually move the company versus like the day-to-day tactical nuance stuff. So it's like, if you're a true owner and you want to grow it, you got to delegate and, and let other people do what they're better at you then. And for me, I realized I'm not that smart. So I hire everyone. Um, it's just finding the right people and, and letting go. So. Yeah. I think you're too humble on yourself to be, it sounds like you've cooked up the perfect recipe. Hey, every day, you know, every day is a beautiful day. I get to hang out with my family and, you know, it, COVID overall is a terrible thing, but I, I try to have perspective changes. Like it, it's, right. it's been a time where I've spent more time with my family than ever. Um, and I did a lot before. So it's like, whatever happens, if it's another pandemic, if whatever happens, it's like, it's going to be okay. Take, take what you can out of it turn it into positive and um, really I'd, I'd close with run a business that's fun and it will never feel like work. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the big thing. Have fun while working. Hey, this has been an amazing, incredible interview. A lot of nuggets in here, a lot of good experience, good advice. I really think this interview will help a lot of people just look at how they're doing things to kind of reflect and see if they're doing it the right way. How can people reach out to you? Yeah. So right now, LinkedIn is, is big. I've been really active on there under Tyler Sullivan. If you're an e-commerce brand, we can do a free video out of your current email efforts at ecomgrowers.com. Or if you're a golfer, bombtechgolf.com is where we sell our golf clubs. And if you want to email me direct, it's Sully, S-U-L-L-Y at ecom, E-C-O-M, growers.com. Feel free to email me if you guys need anything, but LinkedIn has been really fun. And yeah, I hope everyone crushes it. And hopefully uh, COVID is a thing of the past. It will, uh, you know, just be a blip on the radar. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Thank you again, Sully. It's a pleasure meeting you. And uh, I'd love to have you back on again once this pandemic ends to see how shifts are going once we're post-pandemic. Yes, let's do it. Maybe in person. Oh, oh weird. I, I'll have to get two microphones then. Oh, there we go. Too much, too much. All online. Forget it, Zoom. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. I'll see you, Sully. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Wow, what a fun discussion with Sully. First, do me a favor. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you really, really love this content, please share this episode out to your network so that we can continue to grow this community. So what did you think of Sully? Just like in her episode a couple weeks ago with Chris Reed, Sully is an accidental entrepreneur. Somebody that started their business by happenstance. How many businesses out there have started the same way? I'd like to think that a great portion of them did. Why? Well, because every business usually starts with some idea that somebody stumbles upon, and then they're usually like, wow, maybe there's something here. And basically, $100 million in revenue later, they look back and they're like, yep, definitely was something there. <laughs> so Sully, though, I mean, he did have an interesting take on e-com and the digital transformation by bringing up an excellent point. Now, I may not fully agree with this point, but it is valid. 
And it is that if you didn't have a proper digital presence before the pandemic, turning on all the digital cylinders may be too little too late. Me personally, I think it's never too late, but he does have a good argument. Doing digital and mobile first during the remainder of the pandemic, I mean, that is super solid advice. And that should probably be your strategy going forward, even post-pandemic, because a lot of these things are going to be here to stay forever. Another key point of discussion that we had there was the communication with your clients. In this day and age, People want people. They don't want bots. They don't want generic emails. I could tell you it drives me nuts when I'm trying to chat with Verizon or Amazon and I'm talking with a chat bot like, dude, can't fix my problem. I already know that. It needs a customer service rep. And it's like you just got to keep typing it, typing it, typing it until they finally get you through to one. That stuff drives people insane. And, you know, like Sully said, though, engaging conversations has really allowed his customers, engaging conversations really allowed his customers to be a part of what Sully does, being a part of their brand, making it that community. Like he said, that he let them name one of his products. So he does whatever he has to in order to stand out and achieve customer satisfaction, even if it means losing money on one customer. Everything comes full circle. And if he does lose a couple bucks on one customer, chances are the word of mouth, the positive reviews, stuff like that, he'll end up getting 10 times that amount of money just because of that one instance. Now, doesn't always break that way, but more chances than not, it is going to break that way. Plus, you have a clean conscience knowing that you did everything possible to make the situation good again. So yeah, this was an amazing, insightful conversation. What did you all think? Today's discussion is going to be, will the pandemic force us into a mobile-first world post-pandemic? Or is the mobile first, digital first, just a fad? What are your thoughts? I think it's been a long time coming and this stuff will be here to stay. The pandemic just forced it all into the forefront. Would love to hear what you all have to say. Discuss it on YouTube. And again, as I mentioned earlier, make sure you subscribe to the channel, whether you're in iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're at, subscribe. Love to have you all a part of this community. And as you all know, I'm David Strasser, this is Shark Bite Biz, and I'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.